through that. And one of the things that that recovery ministry asks is that we just preach through some principles for a few weeks as we launch that. So it's a little different series where we're not walking through a passage as much, but I hope it's been helpful to you as we've turned our eyes to the one who is the healer and the heart of any kind of recovery for us from our sin and from our brokenness. Uh, but before we get into that, this passage this morning says so much to us, yes, about that, that healing work, but it says so much to us about this meal and about our Savior. As we go through these verses this morning, they certainly speak to us of, of the fact that Jesus Christ, as John 1.14 says, is the Word made flesh. It speaks to us about His humanity. We remember that in this meal, His brokenness. Sometimes we bump into that passage from Hebrews and say, can the high priest really sympathize with our weakness? Can he really know what I go through? And then this, in this passage, there are packed moments over and over again of the humanity of Christ. That humanity that he lived out perfectly and offered up to the Father for us and for our redemption. But here you see his, his physical struggle that, that I am distressed, that I am even, now think of this, the one who is the Lord, of Lord over all of life being able to say about himself, I'm at the point of death in his struggle. Another gospel will tell us that he sheds blood because of the stress and the nature of what is before him. His flesh is crying out. And it's not just the physical torture that's before him, but also spiritually what will happen in the struggle of that. But then also, he knows our stuff that we go through with each other. Think of the emotional and relational weight of this moment. This, this is not the hundreds of disciples that followed him or even the 12. This is the three, the inner three. And here they are at this high moment where he's just broken bread with them. He's prayed with them and he's got this moment where he says, sit and wait or watch and pray. And they fail and they fail and they fail. To have that kind of hurt, to have that kind of failure from those whom you love and you've invested so much in over these three years. He is the Word in the flesh who knows our hurts. He knows our struggles. He can sympathize with our weakness. But also in that, in this meal, we're confronted, and in these passages, we're confronted with, yes, he, he was the Word made flesh, but he's the Word. He is the divine uh, Son of God staring down the barrel, staring down this cup and this hour, and yet he yields his life to the will of the Father. He gives his life and says yes so that you and I might know redemption. Um, the only way you yield yourself to that is because you are the sent son of God, the second person of the, of the Holy Trinity. This hour is before him, and here's a prayer over that hour. At the very beginning of Holy Week in Mark's Gospel, the question Jesus raises is, what shall we say then? It's for this purpose that I've come, is this hour. When we read John's Gospel, we're very familiar with that hour means his cross. This is why I have come, to give myself with all that's before him. Maybe never even fully realizing even in glory all that was won for us on the cross. He says yes to that, to give all of that, his life and all for us. He must be the divine son of God, the word that was made flesh, but also in that and in this meal, 
we're reminded as well of the cross. It magnifies and glorifies the cross. Mark, really the highlight of Mark, the climax of Mark, is that verse, Mark 10, 45. That after the three prophetic words of Jesus that he would die and they don't understand it, we get Mark 10, 45 when he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. As here he is, we find him praying. This is not some kind of political assassination. This is not some enlightened guru that they misunderstood. But Jesus saying here and praying in the garden that he is about to give his life for our lives. It highlights and it magnifies the cross for us. Earlier he would say to them, you have to take up your cross. Jesus doesn't ask anything of us that he does not do first. He takes up his cross so that you and I might be ransomed for our sin and might have life and life eternal. We glory in that as we prepare our hearts to receive in this meal. But we also see in this passage some reminders, again, of God's healing work in Christ that ultimately comes from what was won for us in the cross of Christ and through his resurrection. And first, if you're following along in your notes, in these eight, eight principles we've walked through together, first is that we are to have a, well, let me, let me just stop here. This, this word, this importance of watching and, and praying, because again, the spirit is willing, but Jesus reminds us the flesh is weak. I, I shared with you last week about a, a good friend I've had since junior high, went to youth group together, went to college together, and over the last several years, he watched one of his parents die and just struggle with an illness. And I shared with you a story about that, but I didn't share another story he told me last Saturday at a birthday party. One of, one of the workers at his business, who actually worked well into his late 70s, early 80s, pulled him aside. This is somebody who'd been with this company for forever. And he's kind of the counselor and mentor of all the staff. And he pulled my friend aside and said, listen, I have watched you age 20 years in the last three months because of your parents' illness. You need to take care of yourself. And you need to be careful with yourself. I've just seen it in your life, and you need to take that word. My friend said that was, number one, an incredible word of encouragement for him to have somebody who cared about him enough in the workplace to do that for him. But he said, secondly, I had to fight back laughing in front of this sweet older man who was trying to bless me. And the reason he wanted to laugh when he, say it, to, when he said that was this. Four months before that, my friend had stopped using hair coloring treatment. So he had literally aged in 20 years over the last three months, you know? There is a word of recovery for my friend. Put back the Grecian formula or whatever just for men. That's his remedy. Jesus says a word here to these disciples. It's not the heart of this passage, but it is a word that we need to hear. For our recovery, the remedy for, for our life in him, whether it's a moment of failure as it is here for them and throughout Mark's gospel, a, a moment of crisis when you and I are put up against it, or just for life and the life that we live. It's this reminder to watch and to pray. And to do that, we have to, in your notes, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, for Bible reading, and for prayer in order to know God and his will for our lives and to gain the power to live that out. I'm so glad that we're doing a three-year re reading plan. I hope you're doing that with us or your own reading plan. 
But this is where our own lives and the devil will fight us, is that daily time with the Lord, as our choir so beautifully sang for us this morning, to just stay close with him. Maybe, maybe there's been some stumbling in that area because there's some guilt in your life. There's, there's a, as we talk about in recovery language, there's a habit or there's a sin in your life and that's kept you from the word. It should drive us to the word. It should drive us to the Lord. Or maybe there's some, there's a little bit of pride in your life. Listen, I'm hitting every mark in my life and so I don't need to have that as often as you'd think because I'm jumping through every hoop and again, scripture will fight us at every point on that. This is such a critical part of how we stay close to the Lord is our prayer time and our reading time, or maybe it's just this brutal pace of life. I get that. The expectations for our kids when it comes to homeworks or, 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 or uh, um, sports or this or that or at work, we're working more hours than we used to work. I understand that pace, but how more important it is then that you and I not miss the discipline and the intentionality of staying with the Lord, to always check our lives, to watch and to pray. You know, the Lord gives us an example early in Scripture, immediately in Scripture, to have worked six days and then to rest. That's right. That's a beautiful example he gives us. But it's also this understanding that part of the reason I rest as well is I've got a week upcoming to be his steward, to be, to be Christ's light uh, to other people. And so I, if I haven't built in not just that reading and prayer, if I haven't built in Sabbath rest to my life, I can't be what God needs me to be throughout the week. If I haven't built in that kind of spiritual margin for rest, if I haven't connected with others as you're doing, how are you here today? It's Labor Day weekend. Did you not get the memo? You should be killing doves or watching ball. Or, the fact that you're here and saying, I need not just the rest of the Lord first and foremost, but I need to connect with others so that I can be who I should be for Christ throughout the week. Again, it's, it's, it's the Lord. It's Zechariah 4.6. It's not by might nor by power, but it's always by the Spirit, says the Lord. You will succeed because of my Spirit. How important it is for us to watch and to pray to be alone with God, to be together with God so that we might then be able to fight that flesh that is weak. Need to hear that word today? Recommit to that in some way today? I'd heard a story of the great, I think his name was the great Bagone in New York. You've heard of that great mystical leader, no? Well, this one woman had, and she went up to the 23rd floor of this apartment to see him. She knocked on his door. She was greeted by a woman wearing some kind of wild robe. The, the smell of incense just came right out of the doorway at her. And that woman greeted her, ringing these little bells on her hand and, and said to her, Have you come to see the one who knows all, sees all, and is in control of all, the great Begone? And this woman said, yes, I have. If you'll let my, my son Sheldon know I'm here, I'd like to talk with him. <laughs> I'm the great Begone. No, you're Shel I need to just talk with you, Sheldon. Sometimes when we bump into God's word, it can be a confronting word. So I, I, I think about these disciples. There's so much here we could talk about this morning, about 
their failure and the ways in which they miss. But this particular call to pray, this particular call to be intentional and careful. Yes, the Spirit's willing, but you and I can admit to each other the flesh can be weak. So then we must be about discipline so that we will pray in a way, as Scripture says here, that we will not fall. That we will be with the Lord intentionally and carefully so we will not, as Charles Wesley says in his hymn, have any wandering of my will or quenching of that kindling fire. A few weeks ago, we had a Christian illusionist here, Zach uh, Merzada, and Rusty and I got to actually have some time with him before his performance, and he showed us a trick that he didn't show you. Not only did he show us a trick, but he showed us how to do the trick. Now, I'm not going to share that with you because I'm a little scared he actually does magic and I don't want to curse on him. But he showed us this trick that took about 10 seconds. Just 10 seconds. It had to do with this floating object. 10 seconds. But he told us the key to the trick was that he had to isolate a muscle in his hand or his arm or wherever. He had to isolate a muscle and it took him exactly two years to master that for 10 seconds of a trick. When you and I know we've got that coworker that we, we really in the flesh just want to lose it with, when we've got that family member that's breaking our heart and we're just praying over and over for, when we've got that lust in our life that's just been catching us at every moment, whatever that is, whatever hurt or resentment or bitterness is springing up, whatever hurt, habit, or hang-up it is, what, what Jesus says to the disciples are, are words to us. It is that discipline of watching and praying, watching and praying and being careful, or we might miss, we might miss the life that he wants us to have or the ministry that he wants us to have. We don't have time this morning because of communion, but there really is a good word for us here as well as to the ministry that last point that when you and i will yield ourselves uh, to christ you see it in his life here the yielding jesus does so we might have the good news but when you and i will yield ourselves to god we can be used to bring good news to others by our example and by our words the last couple of weeks we've been in the the epistle to the romans and in there we're reminded that even with our past, I've got a past. You got a past? Even in our hurts, I've got hurts. You? That, that in God's sovereignty, in God's goodness, he can take those things, if we'll give them to him, and if there's forgiveness that needs to be offered, he can do that, but there can also be redemption. And he can take those things and use them for his glory and to give the good news to others. Even when we, as Scripture would say, men are for, for evil, Joseph, God can turn that and use that for good. In the same so, in Romans, he reminds us again that he can work all things for good. How is it that hurt you've had, if you gave it to God, he might be able to use that for others and for their redemption. Or whatever struggle you've been in, how is it that you can take that and use that so others might know of the good news that you've experienced? And I say that because I run into this scripture and I don't really, for up to me, if I'd have been there, you never would have gotten this scripture. 
that's not the point of what the Scripture is offering, but, but there's several Scriptures in Mark. If, if I was John Mark, I wouldn't have written some of the things, but praise be to God, the Holy Spirit has led the writing of His Word. How is it you put in here, if you're Peter sharing some of the things of Mark with John Mark, how is it you tell him of this moment? When you failed so miserably three times, let's don't mention that. Let's sweep that under the rug. And then the beauty of Christ being able to show the struggle of this moment and that that would be a part of the counsel of God. That would be a part of the canon. This will be Holy Scripture. I'm sweating blood. I'm struggling here in my flesh with what's before me. The vulnerability, the integrity of our Savior to share that. We want to put on this strong face. I'm super Christian. I've got it all together. But if you will share your story, if you'll be real with people with your testimony, there's no telling when you yield yourself to God and that the good news that he can share. Even with that past hurt that's been haunting you or that, that, that struggle with sin, but God now has given you freedom. Oh, you could give him glory if you'd share that story, but also it could be good news for somebody. They need to hear of the power of God, the freedom of God, that if the Son has set you free, you can be free indeed. Or as Paul says to the church in Galatia, it's for freedom that you've been saved. And if you share that with gentleness and reverence, as Paul tells Timothy, there's no telling how God could use your story for his glory. Your story to be good news to others. How is it? We need to be more careful, church, to watch and to pray for those we love, but also for our life with God because the flesh, the flesh is weak, no matter how willing the Spirit is. How is it that you and I need to, to come to this table knowing the encouragement of God because He knows our weakness, but He has also the Word made flesh and He can minister to us We've already prayed for forgiveness. He can come and minister his, his gift of redemption, also his gift of filling, his gift of encouragement. How is it uh, that you and I can yield our lives and even the hard, the hard truth of our stories and our hurts and our sin so that they can be good news to others for the glory of God? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus that you send him for us, that he would give himself on the cross for us and for our sin, that we might have life, life eternal and life now. Father, as we approach this meal, again, we come with brokenness of heart over, over our own failings. We see that in this scripture and we see that in ourselves. But we praise you and we thank you that in Christ, in his goodness, in his cross, in his faithfulness, in his gift for us, there is forgiveness and there is life. We pray that we might meet you now in this meal, that we would receive from you. We praise you and we thank you that you are giving God, that you're faithful to meet us here. For your glory, we pray. Amen.